Myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 257. This time around, we welcome back award-winning filmmaker and creative genius, David Yaravesky. The time of release, his new film, Nightbooks, produced by Sam Raimi, is available exclusively on Netflix now. All right, so this thing is absolutely marvelous. It is the ultimate love letter to horror fandom, which is... Spooky old world architecture, immersive design, creatures, gross out effects, and so much more. What Yarvo has painstakingly created here is a new genre classic that entire families will enjoy for years to come with more than enough frights to keep everyone under its spell. We delve into some spoiler territory, which makes this a great companion piece for you after you experience the film, if that's a big deal to you. That said... Explore the look and feel of Natasha's apartment, a place you're going to want to spend the rest of your life in, if we know you. The stunning costume work of Autumn Steed, also responsible for Yarvo's movie Brightburn. Autumn always lights the screen on fire. How David and master composer Michael Abels created a unique sonic world unlike no other. Michael Abels from Get Out, Us, Hear about building this film from the ground up during lockdown using VR headsets as collaborative tools and unveil all of Natasha's secrets. This film is such a special one and we are so excited for you to enjoy it with us. The incredibly cool David Yaravesky on episode 257 now playing. Is there any reason I should let you live? I write scary stories. I'm going to need a story every night. Or it's the last thing you'll ever do. You all try and run. There's no escape. Don't just stand there. Come on, I'm Yasmin. Are you a prisoner too? Yeah. The apartment can do magical things. It travels all over the world and has room to hold anything. What's that? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. All right, here we go. So joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is a returning guest to the show, an award-winning filmmaker whose resume includes some of the coolest music videos ever made by the world's most progressive artists like Korn and Big Elf to the viral pop culture insanity of Team Unicorn and that hilarious Guardians of the Galaxy Inferno video that's got over 20 million views currently. <laughs> in 2011, his short film Guiled put him on the map in the cinematic world with its pure visual genius and amassed tons of acclaim. 2014 saw the Fantastic Fest opening of his mesmerizing horror feature, The Hive, and he followed it up with his extraordinary wide-release debut. He took the superhero genre, collapsed it into darkness, and gave us one of the most unique films ever made, 
Brightburn. Well, he is back. His latest project is Nightbooks, and we got to say it's pretty much the best thing ever. A love letter to the whimsy of horror. A young boy obsessed with scary stories is trapped by an evil witch. He is tasked with telling her a scary story each night to stay alive. It stars Winslow Fegley, Lydia Jewett, and Kristen Ritter. It's available exclusively on Netflix as of September 15th. We are most honored to welcome back director David Yarbesky. Oh, thank yeah. You. Thank you. I just want to say... You guys are going to quit your job and your new job is going to be, you're just going to come with me to meetings and you're going to introduce me in that way. Cause wow, that made me feel quite warm and fuzzy inside. Oh wow, dude. Uh, Sign me up. (laughs) Well deserved, man. Thank you very much. So I don't know, just first off, how have you been, man? I mean, what have you been watching? What have you been playing? Wow. Great question. (laughs) I've been good. I mean, who's been good? I don't know. I feel so cut off from everyone and and far away. But uh, but but I guess things are getting better ish. And and, uh, I feel good. I feel excited to release this movie. And I have been playing a lot of games. You know, the older I get, maybe it's the older I get or maybe it's like the weirder these like console generations get. I've I, I, I play less and less like variety of games like i end up playing this like i've played overwatch every night for six years right? wow <laughs> like like not not every night right obviously sometimes i'll have like something i have to do but i have like a, a group of friends that when overwatch first came out like we would all like jump on and then it slowly became like okay i have shit to do all day see that there's still the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh i have shit to do all day i got i gotta be a productive member of society i have to be an adult to some degree and then and then but midnight hits and i know that my friends will be on playing overwatch at midnight and so at right around midnight so some of them are are, are also fellow horror filmmakers i i don't know if you know jeremy slater who, wrote, course, who, yeah. who created um the Exorcist, uh, the Exorcist yeah. show, and he's written a bunch of cool movies and stuff. He plays with me every night, and you know, just a bunch of people, and 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 it's I, we call it like our cheers. You know, it's That's almost so like great. Uh, it's like going to the bar. It certainly helped us cope, you know, during quarantine. Yeah, you know, feeling connected to friends, and it also, you know, it. it I managed to. I you know when you're filming, you can't. I, I can't be on every night, but I was able to make it a few times. And really, get on once in a while, and <laughs> and then and then and then actually through quarantine, Wednesday nights, a small group of us made a commitment to like every Wednesday check in with each other and play Gears of War, and we play Horde mode. Five of us would play. So and it was Kumail, uh, um, um, you know Kumail. Uh, yeah. It was a uh, uh, Slater couldn't do it because he was he was busy, but. It was a bunch of uh, whatever. It was a bunch of us, and we would get on. And I managed to make it to most of those, even through shooting, which was crazy. Um, but because we had young actors, we had to end. You know, you know, as you saw from the movie, uh, uh, Winslow Alex is in every scene of the movie. So, yeah, yeah. So our short, our shoot days were short, and um, and so I was able to make it home most days and play before I went to bed. <laughs> Camille, he was in, um, he was in Stuber, right? He was yeah, in Stuber. That was the, the, my my feature film debut in Stuber. You, you're in Stuber? I'm in That's Stuber. Right. That's right. I'm in Stuber. Yeah. My voice is in Stuber. Yes. That's amazing. I play I play the DJ that they listen to in the in the Uber. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. By the way, I missed you at the premiere. Wait, did I see you at the premiere? Were you at oh, the Stuber? Premiere? I was not invited uh, to the okay. premiere. <laughs> I always I joke love- about it though, like go up to those guys. 
Guys, it was great working with you. <laughs> I love that movie. I actually love that movie. It's fucking hilarious, It's surprisingly man. dark and violent. Yeah, like, I yeah. just wasn't expecting it to be as brutal as it was in time, you know, or as, as dark as something. Yeah, was. for sure. We we went and saw it because I had heard that, I had to, like, you know, it was an audition, you know, audition for all this voice stuff. You never know what happens. Sometimes they don't even tell you you got it. But they told me I got it right when the movie came out. And we went to see it. And this is an awesome trip. We went to San Jose. I'd never been to the Winchester Mystery House before. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we went to the fun. fucking Winchester Mystery House, just yeah. my wife and I. The first time we ever have been away from the kids. We went there for a weekend, Winchester Mystery House, and then we saw Stuber. And it was the coolest fucking thing ever. Cool. <laughs> to sit there in the movie theater. That is cool. Anyway, dude. Uh, have you played, do you play Oculus much? Oh, I, my God. Yeah. I just, I just got one, and I'm fucking obsessed with it. Okay, so, okay, yes. I'll tell you two things, great things. Uh, yes. So I, I use Oculus a lot, right? I'm, uh, like, I, I don't know if you know this. Something you missed on my bio. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I made a VR game um, in between uh, The Hive and Brightburn. James uh, was producing this movie called The Belko Experiment. And, yeah. And uh, he knew I was way into VR. I had done a, a little like VR promo for Slater's show, The Exorcist. And he was like, you should do something like that for us. And I was like, uh, filming VR sucks. Uh, I don't, I don't love it. It's, 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 it, it's an interactive medium. You need to be able to interact. Yeah. And, and so I was like, we should pitch an interactive experience, like all built in a game engine and we should do it. And I, I went in and I, I pitched to Blumhouse and they were just like, I don't even know the words that you're saying. None of this even makes sense. But if you can do it for this amount of money, go for it. And so they gave me a chunk of money and we went and we made this thing called Belco VR, which is like, it's, it's insane. It's like, in a, it, it's like you're in the Belco experiment. You're in like, you're in like this room and you're in, and then Steve Agee, my friend Steve Agee plays like this guy who's in like your buddy who's in like the room next to you. And like the whole game, he's like helping you. And then at the end of the, <laughs> if you manage to make it through and like, and like solve all the puzzles before your head explodes. You have to. You are forced to either push a button to set detonate the bomb <laughs> in his head, of course, while he's begging you to live, right. or, or 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 not, uh, you know, or not to, and then you both die. And and uh, and it, it's a it's a fun, you should try it. It's a lot of fun, dude. That's amazing. So it's actually shot like any of the VR stuff that I've seen. That's actually shot in straight up like real world film. The definition isn't there yet. Like I'm playing uh, the Quest Two, right? And the definition isn't super sharp or anything yet. So is what you're talking about actually fi- filmed, or is it that like kind of computer graphic generated no, it's built, stuff? It's built in a. It's built in. A, it's we didn't use Unreal. What did we use? Uh, I don't even remember what we used. We, oh, we used um, Unity. Okay, it's all built in Unity. Okay, and uh, oh. it is a. It, yeah, no, it's a, it's a video game. Like you pick up objects and move around. Like it is. It's not a. There's no video assets. Right, right, right. Um, I could explain to you technically why everything looks like shit and i could tell you why there's a math equation to justify why filming vr will always look like shit at least in my opinion no it's cool <laughs> this is the simplest explanation i could possibly explain like so when when you are watching a vr video a vr dome is being constructed for multiple cameras so like let's say i have a camera and at, let's say I have like 10 cameras and they're all shooting at like 4k. Yeah. Right? And then you like stitch it all together and you make this dome, this video dome you're sitting in. And so you're just kind of looking around at this dome. That's, that's, that's the experience, but it's 3d sometimes 
But the problem is, is that your perception of it is just a piece of it. So it's like, you know, you shot the equivalent of like 40K and what you're going to look at is 1% of it at any given time. Got it. And so you immediately understand that there's a math problem here, right? Because your Oculus Quest cannot play 60, 90, 120 frames a second of 40K video that's sure. stitched together. No way it's ever going to do that. So it has to down res. But you're only looking at an incredibly zoomed in piece of it. And so you're going to be constantly chasing your tail because, you know, as the <laughs> screens get higher resolution. The more re remnants you see, right? Uh, yeah. And it's already terrible. And then it goes up from there, you know. So, so is there any way to save it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I just don't think anyone. <clears throat> I, I think we're learning about experiences. What what. It, what does the user want when they log into Netflix? It's not the same thing that the user wants when they show up to the AMC and watch a movie. Yeah. It's not the same thing that a user like me wants when I sit down and power up my Xbox. Totally different thing. And it's not the same experience that a user wants when he puts on a, a headset, a VR headset. And to me, a VR headset is an interactive thing. Like, you know, you want to put it on, you want to stand in your room and you want to move. It's just a more physical thing and it's interactive. And it's, 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 it, th th I don't know. That's, uh, that's my feeling. So any, anything that is baked into a video won't be interesting, huh. you know? And, and I say that as someone who, who directed some, you know, who made something yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Every time I've shown anyone, everyone does the same thing. They put it on, they go, oh, it's cool, you can see behind you. And they sit like this the entire time facing <laughs> forward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you hear all these experts who understand the medium who are like, oh, what you need to do is like find ways to get people to turn their head. No one gives a shit about turning their head. Like, yeah. it's fine. Like, you get it immediately. Now, what do I, now how do I play with it? You know, uh, it's, it's, the technology is gonna like, it is gonna move to AR, you know, so quickly. And I could talk about this forever. I don't know if this is what you want to talk about. No, but. this is great. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We'll, 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 we'll get into movie talk. The, the, just the, the importance and the value of the, I mean, I, you, I actually use my Oculus Quest a lot on making the movie. To really? To be totally honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, like in so many different ways, it was an incredibly helpful tool, especially, especially during COVID. I mean, it was an opportunity for me to be in a room with someone when I wasn't in a room with them. Sure. So like, so just like, like conferencing and things like that. Like, well, first of all, for my mental health, yeah. it, you know, I had, I, I guess I had these like weekly like game things, but on every Sunday, Sunday nights, mm, how many was it? Six on six, I think. So 12 of us would all get on this game called Echo VR. And we, it was like playing basketball with your friends. Yeah. You know, it's like wow. uh, uh, six versus six and it's like a uh, ultimate Frisbee with no gravity. So you're flying robots and you're flying around. I'd be soaked in sweat. So I'd be like, you know. And then we play for a couple hours and then um, and then I go to sleep and wake up and start filming. Um, but I did that for a long time. And then I, I, I used to thrill the fight a lot. This It's a boxing. It's like a boxing simulator to like just sweat and punch things or, or pretend to punch things. But the way the way it actually helped making the movie was a couple fold. So so I was having a lot of trouble like, you know, the way these movies work. This is a, an aspect of filmmaking people don't understand. But what happens is, is like is like. Movies are built to like pr protect the people who are paying for the the movies. Sure. So in this case, it's Netflix. And what happens is is that like we we, we like lay out what we're gonna do, and then and then approvals happen along the way. So you're like, oh, we're working on the set. Here's where we're at. You have to like present it to them. Now what's happening with Netflix is they were stuck in Los Angeles, and we're over Zoom, and 
we're working at an incredibly accelerated pace and I, and I need Netflix to approve of like my design of the apartment. And the problem is for whatever reason, we spent two weeks on concept art. We see the concept art. I'm like, this this is not what I want. (laughs) This isn't good. And now I got to go show Netflix what we want to do. So, so we had these plans in um, Shape Up. Uh, it's a, it's you know it's like a, I don't know if you know Shape Up, but it's like um, it's like SketchUp. Sorry, it. it's called SketchUp. Okay. Uh, it's like um, it, 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 it's I, I don't know. It gets used for a lot of things. Interior designers and 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 architects use it because it just allows you to, like construct space and then like walk around and it see it on you know it's it's for that. But there's a plugin for it that that you can explore your space in VR. And so I sort of found a way to use that. And then I realized, oh, there's tools in here. So I can like mark up things. I can take photos. Oh, I can adjust the focal length of the camera I'm taking photos with. Oh, look at this. And so, and so what I did was I, I scheduled a meeting with Netflix and over Zoom, because that's how, right? Because yeah. I was living in Zoom. <laughs> yeah. And and I screen shared my my POV of the oculus oh that's cool so they could just see what i saw yeah. in vr <clears throat> and so what i did was i took them on a tour of the virtual set of what it would become and once they saw it they were like oh we love this this is awesome right and immediately i was like this is this is the future right and so from there we we started building the we started designing the other sets in in unreal uh in unreal engine and doing something similar and the, the library set we built um in Unreal, and we had a whole AR simulation where, like, where, like, I could take my iPad, like, let's say this was the house I was staying in, I could take my iPad and just walk through it, and my iPad was the camera, and I could just see the ground floor of the library, and then tilt around, and then change the, le- you know, I'm on the ground floor, I could see everything. And then I could adjust things, adjust the time, you know, and then I could just start taking screenshots and send them to my DP and be like, this is this scene, this is this scene, this is this scene. You know, and I could draw on those, like, here's you know, I can't draw that well, but like little <laughs> stick figures. Here's yeah, where the yeah. logo goes. Here's this. You know, I could pre-block and I could do all this stuff with, you know, with the use of VR, AR, Unreal Engine, Shape Up, like whatever it took. <laughs> right. So, so that, those were all really helpful. And then at the same time, you know, um, I had a DP I'd never worked with. I never sat in a room with, and because of our compressed time schedule and COVID, by the time he landed and went through, um. Went through two weeks mandatory quarantine. When you come into Canada, he couldn't leave his place. I couldn't go to his place. Uh, we'd be shooting like almost immediately. And so that time, I, I, I sent him, <clears throat> I had a PA drop off a, a, a laptop and an and a Oculus. And we went into this app called uh, Big Screen VR. Oh, that's just amazing, yeah, dude. It's I amazing, fucking love right? it. <laughs> yeah. So I sat next to him in a theater and i put on et and i was like let's watch et and we just sat and watched et i could look over talk to him what? We, could, we could form a, a, a relationship a, of some sort yeah rapport a visual yeah. A, a language to <laughs> a language to create the visual language that we were going to right. create with the movie and 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 what did we like what did we not like you know so we just throw on movies and talk what were some them. of those movies was et one of them et we watched goonies we watched we and then we watched pieces of um a lot of you know we watched every you know contemporary um uh horror family horror movie you know, every one of them and then I, and then I, you know, I put on a, a lot of Sam stuff like Drag Me to Hell yeah. and Evil Dead. You did the Evil Dead remake, you know, like just it really got to understand 
the way camera works in a Sam Raimi movie, you know, um, and and um, what other movies do we watch? I mean, the big one that surprised me more than anything was E.T., like watching E.T., because I hadn't seen it in a really long time watching E.T., I was just like, wow. Yeah, I haven't seen that since I was like, since it came out, probably when I was yeah. a kid in the theater. What did you notice about that that threw you seeing it this time around? There were two things that really blew my mind. But there were three things that really blew my mind. <laughs> one of them is incredibly nerdy and no one would care about. And that's that it, the whole movie shot spherical. And in my head, the Amblin look is anamorphic. Like that, that whole era feels like it's all shot on some anamorphic vintage lens. And that movie was shot spherical, which is crazy. That's the nerdy thing. The second thing that I learned watching it was Spielberg was so far ahead of his time. It's unbelievable. Like you just, you watch that movie and I challenge you to watch any other movie from those years it's just it's so far ahead of its time i mean the movie is it's so good it, it's like it's so tight the storytelling so clean the way he used his camera to, it's just it's so good and then and then the third thing is that is that what i really i i keep relearning this but i keeping surprised at this is i believe one of the secrets to spielberg's success is that he's a horror filmmaker you know, and people forget that, right? Like, but he started as a horror filmmaker. And when he made E.T., those scenes are horror scenes. And you don't think about it as horror, but it is it is composed and conceived in the same way you would conceive a horror scene. And like, I'll give you the easiest example of it. If you go and you watch the sequence in which Elliot is running through the house and the, the, the like scientists are like trying to grab him. Yeah, yeah. That's a horror scene. That's just, every zombie movie has that scene in it and some vampire movie. I mean, it's just, that's a horror scene and, and seeing the power of, of, of horror being brought to, or the, the, the power of the horror genre or the storytelling mechanisms that make up the horror genre brought to a family film was really inspiring. You know, I want to hear about the, I mean, probably everybody's been asking about this, but going from Brightburn to working with Sam Raimi. What, what, the, what happened in between there? I got to hear that. Uh, like what, what, like what happened in the, in the time between Yeah, the time between. So I, I guess I made Brightburn. It came out. I released that movie <laughs> and then, you know, like I, I really like making movies. I don't, really care for releasing them i'm fine <laughs> i'm fine to just make it watch it with my friends that's great like, though burn it with a blowtorch and just right. move on like <laughs> there's something really weird about it it feels like it does it feels disconnected from you like like i'll give you i'll, I'll give you an example like i work on a movie for a year and i, I was in post on brightburn for like a year and and Throughout that time, uh, I had this po post-production office and someone would come and I'd be like, hey, watch the scene. And then I'd, I'd study them and be like, oh, OK, that works. You know, but everyone who saw the movie saw it like through me. They came in, they sat in the room. I, yeah. We watched it. And I was like part of the experience. One, one day the movie comes out and like people all over the world have seen it. It's just they just went and saw it and they had their own experience with it. A lot of people will never, you know, sometimes people post about it on Twitter. But those people usually have the most extreme feeling about your movie positive or negative this is the greatest movie ever it's the worst movie ever this guy should you know direct the next marvel movie this guy should be killed <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, right. a, that's twitter right. in a nutshell and 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 so um and so and so like but so many people have these like experiences with the movie 
and I just felt so separate from it. And so I, the truth is, is that the mo- the week the, the weekend the movie came out, uh, uh, I played Spider Man on PlayStation because all my friends were talking about it. I, I didn't know what to do. And there's so many people who were like, "Are you going to go to theaters? Are you going to?" I was like, what am I going to do? Like stand outside of a theater and tell everyone I made the movie. I don't right. know what the fucking, I'm not yeah. going to do that. Like, <laughs> it's, an, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I, I snuck into like a theater or two just to see like crowd reactions, crowd reactions yeah. to be like, wow, people are watching my movie. They, they don't know me. They paid money and they just came in and they came and watched it, which was, you know, cool. But then, I don't know. Then you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. It's out done i'm done with it so i started writing you know i started writing this this project that i'm still incredibly secretive of but by i i I can say this i was working with gary doberman on on this project i had an idea for a slasher movie that i think would sort of reinvent slasher movies and so i wrote that and and i was like i'm gonna make this next gary me this is easy it's gonna be no brainer we'll set this up and then the script shows up oh i guess and then the whole world explode yeah yeah <laughs> yep. so uh, so so the script showed up after the the I, pandemic and everything. I, I was still writing as the world was yeah. spinning and shutting down and doors were locking and stuff yeah yeah i was still writing and so 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 i finished the draft and i looked around and everyone around me was like listen no one's buying scripts right now so just put that in your pocket and we'll look at it another day <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I started playing Age of Empire till four in the morning with my <laughs> friends. And I, I, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I, I did a lot of puzzles. Whatever, what everybody of, did. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I just did the things. And then, um, and then I got an email like with this script that said like being produced by Sam Raimi. And I was just like, yeah, I'm in. And in my head, I'm like, this movie's never going to happen though, you know, but I'm in, you know, and then I kept reading and it was like, it's a family film. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting hired. Like, I just didn't believe I was getting hired, you know? And then I, and then I kept, re- and then I started reading and it was, you know, it was, as I started to read about Alex and I realized that that was that I, that I was, you know, one of the things I look for in a movie uh, is like, what's a movie that like only I could make, you know, like something that, I that no one else could make that wouldn't make sense for anyone else to make like it had to be me you know Brightburn had to be me like um, no one else could have made that movie or at least in the way that it is it's you know that that movie's about me and my mom (laughs) to me and 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 to me this movie I started reading and I was like like this is like this is uh, um, about me I mean this is like what I know this story and, and, and so I just felt like I had to tell it and, 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 um, Sam got behind that idea immediately. I mean, I talked, I talked to him about it for a long time. I put together a presentation, put together, I put together like a two out. I'll tell you, I'll, you know what? Because we're on a podcast, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you guys. <laughs> Hell <this>. yeah. <laughs> so, so they're like, Oh, you got a pitch on it. I'm like, great. I'll pitch. I'll put together a pitch. So I put together this pitch. It was like a, two hour it was an hour and four i mean it's long it just wow. kept getting longer like like it was like oh they want to know more about this they want to know more. i'm like okay like you want to know more about it? it's like i'm making the whole movie so so <laughs> i put together like this it's like an hour and a half long pitch and it wasn't for sam it was for like the producers of the movie and i'm like okay and then if they liked it they, they, they if they liked me then then they'd 
bring me into Netflix. And, and if Netflix like me, I'd, I'd get the job. And a couple people were doing it. And that's the way it goes, right? That's how these jobs go. And so I put together this presentation. And in it, there's a lot of it talking about what a fan of Sam's work I am. How I could see a world in which Sam's horror uh, could translate to family in a way that really hasn't been done before and, and, and be like a totally unique tone because because the, like he has a physical comedy uh, and, a, and a level of violence uh, with his horror, with his brand of horror and his, his aggressive camera moves and stuff and personality. But but we could just pull back on the, the violence, you know, and, and but we could be playful and, and, and scary and be aggressive with our jumps, you know, and. And uh, so I gush about Sam over and over and over because he was never going to see the pitch. So it's like, I can, I can talk about it all, <laughs> yeah. you know? And <laughs> what I heard, what well, I don't know what's true. You, you never know what's true. What I heard was it came down to me and someone else. And like, Sam wants to hear the pitch and he'll decide who, who gets the mood, you know? And I'm like, wait, <laughs> I, I can't do this in front of sam raimi like this dude was like my idol growing up like i'm not like and, and it, there's there's a whole section of the movie about how like out uh, a whole section of 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 the presentation which essentially was saying that like that like you know i know alex uh, you know alex is like who i was and what, what you know I, I know so much about him and 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 one of the things that i wanted to do what i want to explore was like was like how I wanted the the the, the posters and the art and, on his wall and Lost Boys and 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 like the things that he loves to sort of somehow influence what his stories look like and to ah, yeah. to, to sort of to say that the things that um, inspire us also like shape you know they they help form our creative voice or whatever but just I, I would never say that in the movie but that's just sort of what the visuals are saying that's just a, a layer that's sort of existing in the in the in the movie and and then. <laughs> And then, and and then, so I talk about how just like Alex, like like I was so inspired by Sam's movies, and that I probably wouldn't make movies today if I hadn't seen Evil Dead, and how what what a it, you know inspiration he was. Just I could just go on and on and on about that, and like the co the connecting those two concepts, you know. And man, I so so I had to give this presentation to Sam, which was basically like oh my god the the. <laughs> The suck off Sam show. <laughs> <laughs> Had you ever met him before? Is this a first I've never time? met him. I never met him before in my entire life. And I jump on and then Sam Raimi's sitting in, in a Zoom box. Yeah. On my screen. And I'm like, hey. So and then I just get into it. And like, you know, he was so gracious and kind and like. It was weird because he was like m moved by it. Oh, like, that's awesome! Way, he, it, yeah, like he was just like, I don't know. I think I I come to realize that when you're the filmmaker of a movie, no one ever talks to you about your movie. You know what I mean? No one ever goes up to Sam. That's not true. Fans go up to Sam and like, like you're you're my hero. Yeah. But like he doesn't sit around with other you know directors or producers and they just don't go like oh my god like you you know like they don't gush in in that way and 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 so he was just i think caught off guard i don't think he was expecting uh i wasn't and and it was just really sweet and it was you know and it was it was uh it was weird though cuz i kind of felt like i was naked in front of like a childhood idol you yeah, know yeah. um 
but he was totally good about it and he was great. I mean, he was really great. And um, uh, then I got the movie. I mean, he, he, he was like, it has to be you. Like, it has to be you. And it, that had nothing, I swear to God, it had nothing to do with me gushing about him. It was more just that like, like, I, I knew the struggle. Yeah. You yeah, know? he understood the core concept I of the film and the, everything. The core concept, yeah. I got the tone of the movie and I think what I wanted to make is what they wanted to make and I, you know, or some version of it. And yeah. So playing in this uh, unique sandbox of family friendly, you know, horror movies, um, or we like to call them as what, you know, gateway horror movies. Gateway. Yeah. In, in, That's the term I hear. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, uh, what, what are the challenges? Cause you know, you, you come to this with, you know, the mindset of horror and yet you have to pull back or you have to have some kind of restraint. I mean, were there scenes that ideas that you had that we, we just couldn't film because they were too bloody, too gory, too scary. You know, I didn't pull any punches. Like, I mean, I knew that I, I they're never going to like, no one's heads getting ripped off. No one's eyeballs falling out. Like, <laughs> right, right. but I didn't pull any punches because, well, a co- I mean, a couple of things, the biggest challenge of making a family movie, I think is convincing everyone. They're still making a movie and not, something stupid <laughs> do, do, do you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like like because what happens is is that like every single person i would meet with you know because you, when you're crewing up you like meet with the production designer you meet with this you meet with this whatever everyone you meet with i'd sit down and i'd be like oh so you read the script right and then what, what do you think you know talk to me about this movie and then sometimes people put together little presentations and they're like you know, this could be cool wallpaper. This could, you know, I got visions of this or that. And oftentimes that's not what the movie is, but it's a way to start having the conversation. But immediately what I started to recognize is that everyone just sees family and is like, okay, so everything's going to be bright and dumb as fuck. And <laughs> it's just, it's going to be okay. So like everyone, she's like, they're making movie. Mo- it's really one of two things. It's either it's a movie for idiots or it's Tim Burton, you know, and it's just those two camps or, you know, and, 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 um, so saying, Hey, okay. I, I'm not Tim Burton. So I'm, I love Tim Burton, but I'm not him. And I'm not going to make a Tim Burton movie. I don't want it to look like that. And, 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 um, I don't want to make a movie for idiots (laughs) or, you know, and like, I'm kind of coming to this movie. I, 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 this is a story I told to everyone on the movie. At some point I said, when I was a kid, there's a movie that came out called people under the stairs and I was dying to go see this movie. And, uh, my parents were fine with it. Cause I'd already seen much worse stuff. Uh, but none of my friends, parents would let them go see the movie cause it was rated R. And, but the movie, the marketing in the movie made it feel to me like it was like Goonies, like a darker Goonies. And all my friends thought it was darker Goonies. Now, if you've seen the movie, it's not darker Goonies. Like it's super <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Right? Like, like, like we, their parents are probably right to not let them come see the movie. Right. But in my approach coming into this movie, it was like, but if they just, you know, if like, you know, if they weren't like into weird bondage and like sh- <laughs> shooting kids and, you know, abusing children in the wall, like if, if, if it was just like, you know, if, if, if they just, if it just never became violent, that movie could have been like one of the biggest movies of, you know, it just would have, could have been mass. I knew so many kids that wanted to see it, but just couldn't see it. And I was like, what if we just 
the, the, the thinking is like what there are so many things in horror and horror storytelling that don't that don't violate that don't become an R-rated movie that that people can watch with their kids you know one of the things I said on the set of Brightburn all the time is that the scariest part of every movie is someone uh, walking through a dark empty house saying hello and 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 it's because it's just anticipation yeah. something's coming and anticipation is nothing like that that's that you know uh Jurassic Park is full of anticipate anticipation is, is you can that you can put anticipation in G rated movie you know like every conjuring movie is just milking anticipation it's you feel like you've seen a scary movie because they're constantly playing with your expectation of when the next jump is going to come at you and right. so and so it's just anticipation building anticipation i was like we can do that in this movie <laughs> like why can't we do that yeah uh, you know we could you know we don't need someone to like show up and crack jokes like this can be a movie that takes itself seriously as a movie that is tense that has stakes all those things just i don't know just don't make anyone's eyeball fall out you know or just right. don't, don't show anything but it was still like there's still gross <laughs> awesome shit you know totally. explodes in purple <laughs> goo or whatever but right. it still has that effect right but that's the thing is like is like finding the dna of your movie so to me i was like okay so i'm gonna take all the things that i love in horror but i'm going to make it digestible for a whole family so they can enjoy it. you can experience this like the thing is is that almost every gateway horror movie if you want to call it that or children's horror or whatever is not a horror thing at all. It is, it's, it's, it's a fantasy adventure comedy or adventure comedy it, with the veneer of like spookiness on it. Like mm. it's dark. There's yeah. a, there's a vampire character, you know what I mean? But it's not a horror movie. It doesn't, there's, there's never that moment where someone's like, where's the monster? I don't know. Do you hear it? It's in the room. What's it like? That doesn't exist. That that's, that's horror, right? That's like the, the 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 tool set of horror yeah, right? yep. yeah. like you're in someone's perspective <clears throat> something bad is happening they're trying to figure out you know they're in, they know they're in danger and so i was like that's what that that's what the movie is and also right like you're saying like so if you kill a creature it obviously can't bleed everywhere but you know like there's slimy things in movie you know slime <laughs> can get everywhere candy thing but you know you know some drag me to hell's got some great vomit stuff evil dead is some great vomit oh, yeah. stuff. let's yeah. take that and subvert it and make it candy someone vomit candy I'll, you know that's a that's a spoiler <laughs> <laughs> but like but but yeah i mean like playing with taking conventional horror or like even hardcore horror scares there's a scene which you probably can think of immediately um where where we we pulled up a, you know a, an image of zombie two like fulci zombie <laughs> two and, you know on this you know, kids movie uh, or family movie, whatever you want to call it. And we're like referencing it, it, you know, and it's like that's that was the fun of the movie to me was like taking taking things that wouldn't normally be referenced in a kids movie sure, and, and, and yeah. making it safe and enjoyable. You know, you know, one of the one of the most beautifully creepy shots I think I've, I've ever seen <laughs> happen in the it was like the end of um. well, first of all, I fucking love the way you crash into those interstitials, like his actual stories. Yeah. Right. How it just fucking interrupts it with like a slam of score, like in the middle of a dialogue pizza, the yeah. playground. And it goes to that red thing. And then there was the end of the playground one when there's just this like 
image of this girl and her, her, her eyes are white and, and her, her hair's kind of just blowing in the wind. It's just yeah. her face and she's just standing. It's just her face shot. Yeah. And it's so fucking creepy. It is creepy. And I was yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Beautiful shot. Thank you. What was the design? Like those interstitials kind of have that, that look. What was the mechanics of a, how you went into it? What was informing that? Like yeah. how, how you'd make those cuts and then designing like that particular world of the story. It was a really weird thing to shoot because like, so we shot a whole movie in a traditional filmmaking way, right? Like it, it all follows. Like if you showed up on set, everything functioned like every other set. Yeah. And then the last three days were, we shot three stories, uh, at each a story a day. And those days I, I was I was shooting like a music video filmmaker, not a uh, cool. not not a <laughs> not a narrative feature film. And suddenly the crew was like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, this is how this is this is. Yeah, congrats, you're you're all working on a music video. Yeah, this is yeah. the chaos of it. But but um, but because we were being a bit impressionistic, a bit avant garde about." what it was but it was a, a sort of like mixture of elements right so and the elements were when you first see his favorite movie on on a tv screen it's it's lost boys and it's a, a scene that's very red and even when we filmed uh the practical television i put like red lights yeah so it was red that. so you really got red right and so the idea was like that's his favorite movie that's gonna be a big influence on him so when he's telling his stories it's all red it's like bathed in red and but but He's not, I wanted him to be smart and, 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 and I wanted you to see him and go, this kid's really like got something like he's, he's, if he keeps doing this, he's going to be Stephen King one day or something, you know, like, but he's not Stephen King yet, you know? And so I wanted it to be a little lo-fi and a little bit like a kid's play, a little bit of a production, you know? And so (laughs) people were just like, freaking out when they like saw like these like childish sets like these like they're like what the fuck like what the fuck is this like this looks this doesn't look real you know that doesn't look real right I'm like yeah. yeah i don't want it to look real um um they just really couldn't wrap their mind around it and and so so playing with that and then obviously there's like you know vintage film filter i just wanted it to feel like the, the movies that he loved so it yeah. really gave it like an older film vibe and 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 yeah I, I don't know just sort of like exploring that concept you know and 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 playing with play, playing with that was um, was lost yeah. boys like in the script version of the story too or did you add no. lost because i mean they cry me cry little sisters in yeah. that too right the, yeah, yeah 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 no. well so so for a long time we went around with like what what's the movie you know in the book it's it's um night of the living dead but if uh, but I already knew the visual language I wanted to tell, right? I knew I wanted to connect those things. But what that meant was that the stories would be in black and white and grainy, mm-hmm. and I'd seen that before. And then it started to feel Tim Burton, and it started to feel like his obsession with Vincent Price and all that. It sure, to feel yeah. like Ed Wood, and I was like, I've done, I've seen this, and I just didn't want to do it, you know. So I was like, I was like, to Alex, that's that's not a classic. That movie's ancient. You know, that's Nosferatu to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. that movie's old as shit. So, like, what's cl- what's a classic movie to him? The movies I grew up with. So I started looking at those, and I started we started doing some visual research on, like, what are the... I mean, some of the stuff is kind of obvious. 
some stuff you already know, but like what 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 are the visual signatures of movies in the late eighties and early nineties that um that could become like an iconic thing and, and how could it be used and 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 then we started I started thinking about soundtrack and, and then Cryless Sister came up and I was like it'd be fun to you know if it was like if like there's a Lost Boys poster in his room and we like when things start turning around for him we use Cryless Sister. I love that song and it'd be fun to twist that up. And and then and then it was like look there's a lot of references. Like at the time I had the stories were getting more abstract and they were like I was you know pulling multiple and I was like let's just simplify this like let's, let's just be really clean lost boys lost boys his favorite movie he loves lost boys he loves all these other movies lost boys is the biggest one and then let's like make this really a, a simple concept that people will get instead of this amorphous thing that is will be a an easter egg right podcast right 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 right, right. <laughs> look, look, the cast the cast is so much fun to watch man these these two kids um you have uh alex played like winslow fegley and uh, um Yasmin played by Lydia Jouet. And of course you have Kristen Ritter, who Kristen Ritter who plays um Atasha. Yes. How did the, what was the casting process like? I mean, what are they audition? What scene are they audition with? Or I mean, how did you how did the selection process come about? It's, it's interesting. So when I I'm gonna take us on a little journey, okay? So yeah. when I so when I started when I started making Brightburn, I don't remember who it was, but someone came to me and they said, you know, movies like this are com- they completely live and die on the shoulders of you know, your kid, your, your kid actor, you know, they're like, look at Sixth Sense. I mean, that movie is great for a lot of reasons, but the thing you talk about is like, you know, how, how Haley Joel Osment just like was unbelievably great in that movie. And, and if he sucked, that would have defined the movie in a totally different way. And I was like, fuck, you're right. (laughs) There's a lot of pressure (laughs) in this casting. And so, and so, um, so whatever Brightburn uh, happened, cut to the future, and and we're now casting a movie where it's not one kid, it's two kids, and they're in every scene of the movie. It's not, it's not like throughout the movie they show up. It's every scene of the movie. It is their story purely, and and it was more than ever, man. It's going to be on their shoulders um, to carry us through this movie to be interesting. And as you guys have seen the movie, so the the emotional range that Alex has to show. Oh yeah. It's like, it's fucking crazy. And, and I'll tell you the, 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 the hardest scenes I ever filmed in my entire life, the hardest, trickiest things I've ever done were the three stories. <laughs> just wow. wow. Just, but if you watch it again, <clears throat> no one would ever think that everyone thinks it's like the shredder or the, you know, whatever Brandon smashing through walls and stuff. But, you know, you have so much, you have so much coverage on that stuff because you, they, they, you know, it's going to end up CG. Once you get end up in the CG world, to fix a little of this, fix a little of that, easy, okay? Like it's not easy, but you, you know that that's going to be part of the process. It's going to be shopped and everything. But you're dealing with human emotions, and and I, I, there's no computer in the world I can use to replicate that yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and and. And so, and so the performances are the performances, they, they come in and they do it. And, and I'm making a family movie where the, the, you know, 22 minutes into any movie, there's going to be some set piece, whatever the genre of the movie is. It's like something really important is going to happen right around there. 
and it's going to really be a defining moment of the movie, whether you like the movie or not. And our, our thing that happens is Alex sits and he tells a story. And it goes on for a long time. I mean, it's like a 12-minute sequence or something all the way through that scene. In one scene, three characters talking to each other. And there's not a lot of movement. And, and that's hard. It's hard. And, it's, and, and you think about what, what Winslow and Lydia like. I mean, the first take of the master shot of the playground. I put down cameras and I was like, let's run the scene. And I'll just, like, every time... There was a thing, I'd throw out a note, we'd go back, they do it again. It was 40-something minutes long. Wow. We're rolling for 40 minutes, and it was just like getting from the front of the scene to the end of the scene. Wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. And I was like, it was, a, it was a, a, a monster to get through. And you would never think, like, no one would ever watch the movie and be like, man, that was that Yeah, was right? Yeah, it's the weird thing about directing. The things that are hard aren't, and the, the, are, are often not... Uh, are often easier than everyone <laughs> thinks and and the things that are e- that are yeah whatever you get what I'm saying. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking is hard uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so those three scenes were r- really hard and so there's a long way of just giving praise to those three actors for like i mean just like they really are great in this movie like they're yeah. really 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 great in the movie like w- winslow is so emotional and and real and vulnerable and Lydia, you know, I guess I've told the story a bunch on the press tour, but it's totally true. I saw Lydia's audition. A bunch of people came and auditioned. She auditioned and I was like, that girl's going to win an Oscar one day. <laughs> and, and I was like, I just, let's just hire her so that we can brag about it. Yeah, later. <laughs> yeah exactly. Featuring <laughs> Oscar winner. Yeah. Yeah. The boo crew will be right back. Hey, weirdos. <laughs> Bring a fiend to a night of terror. But wait until the dead of night. And from behind the tombstone, maybe you will see... The man and monster. And he is usually with... The bloody vampire. It's time for terror. If you see the you will see an unspeakable horror that terrorizes the universe. You and your fiend can make it a foursome when you meet the man and monster and the bloody vampire. One of the fun things I loved about this is watching uh, Kristen Ritter. Every so time good. you see her on screen, so she has a different look. Oh, yeah. For the character she plays, I'm like, she's got the coolest fucking outfits I've ever seen. Well, I <laughs> wish my wife were here right now to hear right? you say, yeah, yeah, my wife is a costume designer. I bow down yeah. to her. Yeah, this she she did such a good job on this movie. I'll tell you, people ask me, like, well, why did you take this movie, you know, and, and like, I guess I talk about Sam and how I feel connected to it, but there was one more thing because I, I did weigh this movie. I was like, it's sc- scary to me to take on a family movie. Like, I don't know. Like, but I just believed in it. And, and, but you never know. Like I'm saying this, who knows? Maybe the producers wanted to make this and they were just nodding or I don't know. I yeah, you just don't yeah. know. You don't know. And it was, 
scary. <clears throat> and, but the one of the one of not definitely not the main one. There was a, a whole bunch of things, but one of, a big one was I wanted Autumn to be the costume designer of the movie. Like I I like to me it 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 this movie was her. Like it, it was me and Alex, but but Unic. Ooh, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, evil dead. Uh, 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 um, but uh, but um, uh, Kristen's character is 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 Autumn, you know, and 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 I wanted. I just I was like, man, I need to see what you would do with this. I was like, I'm, I'm like that alone was enough for me to direct the movie. Like I just wanted to show up on set and see what they would be wearing. And, 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 and because, you know, she's stuck with me, right? We're, we're married and, and, uh, uh, you know, and she doesn't love horror movies and she's stuck making the Brightburn mask. Right. And, right. You know, she worked, she's like, what the fuck is going on? She worked with Adam Wingard on something. She works, with, you know, you know, she like all, all these horror people are hiring her to do these crazy things. And, and I was like, yeah, man, like I want you to just go make these sparkly sequin <laughs> fucking crazy outfits. And she went, I mean, she got these fashion design. She got a fashion designer works a lot with like Lady Gaga. I mean, she's like, she got these incredible people involved and built these things that were, I mean, it, it was, it was so cool. And, and, um, like I love it. There's a scene in the movie that I no one would ever laugh in the scene, but I laugh every time because it feels like tonally the weirdest movie of all time. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> like there's a scene. We're getting into spoiler territory, but uh, 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 there's a scene later on in the movie where you think she's going to kill the kids, and she's just like very mean to them, and she's screaming at them, and they're cowering in the corner, and it's all played very real. But she looks like. She looks like she's ripped out of like some fantasy land. Like she's like, yeah, she's sequins and sparkling. Right? <laughs> but she's also feels like some, she also feels like this, like she also feels like the, you know, Kathy Bates in misery at the same time. So if like Kathy Bates in misery and then like, and then like, <laughs> and then like, I don't know, like Tinkerbell, like merged into one. Right. And I, I just, that scene to me makes me laugh every time because I'm like, what am I, wa what am I watching? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the polarity too. Like yeah. everything, and you, you can look at Brightburn for this too. What Autumn does that makes what she does so unique, I feel, is that every piece of costuming she puts in sort of tells a story. Yep. Like, you know, Brandon's yeah. outfit, and you're wearing the blanket as a cape and everything like that. It all tells a story. Yeah. And this too, and the way that. that she works with polarity, put on these wacky shoes with this raincoat, looks like a fucking. You know, like yeah. a dragon or so. You know, with the arched, you know, shoulder things or whatever. It it uh, ignites something in your brain. It, it, and even the even Alex's jean jacket and the, yeah. the shit that he's wearing, the white shirt with the stripes, everything. Uh, Yasmin's got the what a gingham dress, I guess they call it, with a lace top thing. Everything has a really cool look to it. Yeah. It tells a story, but also fires something in the brain that just, I don't know what it ignites something whenever I see something that she's done. You know what's interesting about that? So, um, so Netflix, I, I don't know what their hiring policy was, but I, I, I like, again, I, I had to present who I was hiring. Yeah. Netflix. I had to be like, I'm going to hire this person. So I'm like, I'm going to hire my wife to be the costume designer. I know how that sounds, but it's our creative relationship. And yeah. It's, we've made 
80 music videos and two movies together and and we have a, this back and forth and and I think she should be the person and and I had to she had to present to Netflix you know like they wouldn't just hire her. she had to give this presentation and so and so um she went off and started working on a presentation end of giving like an hour and a half long presentation <laughs> of costumes and and the level of detail that goes into those costumes and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about like stitching. I'm talking about like, like the 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 story that she tells with the outfits mm. across time is awesome. You know, like um, something that you wouldn't track because it would be really hard to track. But it is in the movie. If you watch the movie, is that Alex loses himself in the movie? Like it's the the movie is an identity crisis, right? So when you meet Alex. He's he's tearing up all the things he loves, and he's wearing this Michael Myers shirt, right. and he because he loves these horror things, <laughs> and he gets lost in this apartment, and he, he's taken, he's kidnapped or taken or whatever, however you want to call it, and 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 uh, at a certain point, he change, you know, you see that there's a closet full of clothes in there, so he starts pulling other kids' clothes, he starts just becoming genericify, and and his outfits start to reflect that, like what he's wearing is just neutral tones, he is like there's all that creative energy is gone, mm-hmm. you know? And, and like, at, and when Alex makes that turn to like sort of rediscover himself to like find inner strength, suddenly he's, he, when, when he was packing up his bag, he's throwing things in his bag. So to burn. And one of the things he threw in was a, a was an Alex Pardee shirt, a shirt with Alex Pardee's <laughs> art on it. And so, so when he's suiting up, to go fight the witch, like he puts on his Alex Pardee shirt, you know, he's like, I've, I've like, I'm back in it. And, and, and his, his like gene vest, right. Which is like, which we found, I was just, took a while to find inspiration, but, but we started to look at like Stephen King, actually, uh, like young Stephen King. Oh and yeah. Then, and then, and then, <laughs> uh, um, man, I always mess up his son's name. Who's I'm a huge fan of, uh, um, Joe uh, Hill. Joe Hill. Yeah, yes. I fucking love Joe Hill stuff. Um, and I found all these pictures of Joe Hill with like a like a cut a off jean jacket. Yeah, yeah. Jean jacket. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, nice. oh, look at like let's talk That's about this, awesome. you know, and when buttons and stuff. And I was like, because you know, people were like, like he should have a typewriter on him. He should. Have, it's like right. That's how kid. That's how you think in kids movie land. Right. Yeah, it's a yeah. writer. He should have a pen. <laughs> right. 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 And it's like no, like. If he's a horror writer, if he if his idols are horror writers, he loves Stephen King, he loves Joe Hill, he loves Clive Bar. You know, I start listing these horror writers. You know, I don't know Joe Lansdale, I don't know whoever, and so you start looking at pictures of them. What do they dress like? You know, I used to dress like my idols. So, so anyways, the point is that's how deep she goes. You know, and and so she really tells this story. Um, and it's the same thing with Yaz. Like, uh, like, like when you meet her, she's in overalls. She is lost in work. Like. Like her, 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 her personality is gone and not her personality, but just like the, the story on her clothes is that her, she's, she's lost to work and, and to, to servicing the witch and throughout the course of the journey, sure enough, when she's suiting up, she's putting on her clothes. Like she, she become, she refines herself and yeah, so there's just like a lot of that in the, in, 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 in the detail of the storytelling that I think. You know, 
90% of people won't even, it'll never cross their mind. It'll be, it'll be yeah. injected into their subconscious though. That's yeah. what I think that uh, yeah, a thousand percent. I, I heard that. this, I heard this awesome story and I love this story and I hope it's true. I believe it to be true. And autumn and I talked about it a lot cause it's such a cool thing that happened. So I, have you seen the movie war of the worlds? Yes. This is, by the way, this is the kind of thing. This is like nerdy filmmaker stuff, but it was really exciting. Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah. Spielberg, genius, right? Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, whether you like the movie or not, he's a genius. Anyways, apparently, uh, legend has it <laughs> that the, that the, that the um, jacket that he's wearing when you first meet him is like, is a little large and goofy because he's not a hero he's just a dad and you know dad's wearing leather jackets they don't really look cool it just looks you know yeah and then throughout the course of the movie i don't know how many there's 20 versions of the jacket same jacket you don't notice it it's subtly happening before your eyes but it's tightening and it's getting fitted and he's looking like a, a movie star now yeah. he's looking like an action he's looking like you know he's looking like tom cruise you know huh. not dad and 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 it was this subtle thing that happened across the movie. And by the end of the movie, it's like, you know, it's like his armor practically. And um, I love that idea. And so we thought about all different ways. Uh, you know, I can't even possibly go into all the different nuance to this movie and the kind of ways that we played with things like that. But, but, but um, I love stuff like that. There's a, there's a fourth character I have to bring up and that would be Lenora the cat. <laughs> I know that the cats were used on this production, right? Yeah. Along with visual effects. Yeah, yeah. But there's, but they're known to be, I mean, absolutely chaos on set. So here's, <laughs> you know, the cats not, can't cooperate, won't walk, won't meow, whatever it is. I mean, what was it like, you know, on this production? Sure. I mean, animals in general are tough, right? But I, I just knew early on that what she could be for this movie, you know, like wh what, like what she could mean to people and how in a way she's like this heart of the story, you know, like her, her, her arc and her, her change and the realization that, that she's a victim as, as well. You right. slowly come to realize that this is, we're just in spoiler territory. Fuck it. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> but spoiler, but that she's a victim and that, and that Natasha's, you know, everyone's a victim and, and everyone has dealt with their, abuse in different ways and 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 the different ways in which they've dealt with it have led to very different outcomes <laughs> for everyone but but um i just knew how important lenore was to the to the movie and to the fun you know i knew that you know my hands were going to be tied in terms of horror because i couldn't have like really horrific things jump out at you but i knew i could have a cat jump out of you anytime i wanted i knew yeah. i you know <laughs> So that's just, you know, it's, a, it's the, I guess the less heady piece of the movie, but, but, but I, I just knew it would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. And, and so, and so, um, so yeah, we, we sort of implemented a, a strategy. It's actually two cats, two cats that look kind of similar, uh, that were trained to do different things. And then also CG cat and, and it's about, I don't know, half and half really. Well, it's, 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 it's three, it's really three techniques. It's a real cat in the shot with the kids, you know, a couple times, sometimes when they're holding, you know, when he's holding Lenore and stuff, so, some of those, some of those times. And then, um, sometimes it's stitched shots. Like, uh, we'll put Lenore on the couch. We'll film her on the couch and then we'll shoot the rest of the scene. And then we can just put, you know, her digitally, like the real version of her that we shot, but just digitally put that into it. So it's like a, you know, it's not an expensive shot to do, but you, 
you know, but it, it looks real because it's a real cat and, and you can do a lot of them. Then there's the CG shot, the like hero CG shot where it's like fully CG character yeah. that is like, you know, <laughs> that is animated and takes months of work and the teams working very hard on it. But, but the sum total, I think war, I mean, I, I, I think she is just a really lovable cat. You, know. hey, you can't forget the uh, the scene where the cat serves up a toxoplasmosis uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. There. Is that is that code for piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking laugh. I fell off my chair. I was I laughing. Didn't, I didn't I'm like, know what, what it was until he had it. That's that's, that's the design. Awesome. That's the design of the scene. Yeah. I loved it. it that so scene. Awesome. That scene is so like. <laughs> I can't believe that's in the like. I literally can't. That's, believe that's but that's movie, that right? perfect like yes. shit they would do in the eighties in, right. in movies right. that they don't make anymore, right? That's the thing about yeah. it is, yeah. is like so. I'm sitting in the storyboard. Uh, I'm sitting with the storyboard artist, and I'm like, the scene that we're supposed to do it doesn't work. It's the top of Act Two, and we're setting the stage. So we're saying we're we're establishing. Alex's relationship with Yaz, she hates him. We're establishing a relationship with Lenore, she hates him. Uh, like everyone is just shitting on him. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And uh, so he said, we started drawing, we started drawing this this bitch i'm like oh it'd be so fucking funny they'll never let me do this but oh man it'd be so funny and we start giggling and we're laughing like i'm laughing so fucking hard and this is like covid this is a time me and me and this guy working together in a conference room only two of us are allowed in this conference room every 50 minutes we have to leave and they have to flush out all the air oh, wow i have to wear a face shield and a mask while i'm sitting in there and so like there's no joy when you're doing yeah it, right? yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's as, clinical it surgery as clinical right, as right. it could possibly be and we're laughing so fucking hard like there's tears in my eyes and i'm like i'm like this is so fucking funny like this has to be in the movie i don't know how i'm gonna get on zoom and yeah <laughs> bitch netflix and tell them that i have this idea for a scene <laughs> uh, and and man to their credit they let me shoot it they let me shoot it and they were like Let's see it. Yeah. Shoot it. Of course. Let's see it. Of you course. know? And, and I was like, listen, fair enough. Like, it's a joke. It could suck. And then we'll cut it out. We'll pretend this never happened. It'll be my fault. You guys can blame me for the hour or two that we lost the shooting. Yeah. But like, in the off chance that this is as funny as these boards, like, this is, we need this in the movie. And I often find, actually, in, this might be my downfall as a filmmaker or 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 not, I don't know. But there are moments where, like, I get these ideas where I'm like, no one will let me do this. But it'd be really cool if they did. And I think people would really like it. And maybe we should try to do it and see if I can, you know. And it leads me to, like, right, pitching a Zoom session full of people. My poop joke. Uh, uh, or But it leads me to these uncomfortable moments where I'm like, okay, so here's the idea. Go with me. Um but it, it also feels really good when you're making like I I remember being on the set of Brightburn and being like this is crazy like this like I can't believe we're doing this like we shouldn't be allowed to do this like we're we're mocking superheroes in this way and we're like like we're using Superman's superpowers in this unbelievably violent <laughs> fucking sadistic way <laughs> and so many people love Superman and they're gonna 
not love to see what Superman might be, do- you know, like, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> so like the, the things that make me sort of giggle maniacally like that are kind of the things that I sort of suddenly feel emboldened, like have to be in the movie in some way. Right. They, well, when you get those wins, yeah. man, it becomes yeah. your signature. <laughs> By the way, right. the jaw falling off in, in, in Brightburn was totally that moment where oh, I was like, yeah. I started, I was sitting with the, with the, with the um, um, storyboard artist. And I'm like, dude, like, cause I, I already had that, like all his teeth break. You know, he hits the steering wheel with his face and you're like, Oh, it's pretty gnarly. And then I was like, but what if like when he sat up, like you didn't expect it, but like he sits up and gravity takes, you know, and yeah. I started exploring that. We started drawing and I'm like, Oh, he, like the drawing he was making is so violent looking. I was like, Oh my fucking God. <laughs> it played wo- so well on <laughs> yes, screen. Me and yeah. Leo, I remember. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. It just takes it up. Yeah. Like yeah. You just don't expect it. It yeah. takes yeah. it up a, a level. And, and, and I was like, fuck, no one's going to let me do this. But, but I really want to do it, you know, and <laughs> I can tell you now time has passed. I feel like when I first make a movie, I feel like I don't like to say talk about like the things that we didn't get. To yeah. Make or yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a scene in Brightburn that I really wanted to do. I had an idea and we couldn't do it because we were smart. Everyone thought it was funny and we wanted to do it. But <laughs> so <fun. laughs> uh, we wanted to do it, but we couldn't afford to do it. Um, that's what it was. It was, it was just a money thing because it's a really expensive gag. And it was too early in the movie to like spend this kind of money. And it, it, it really didn't drive the store. It's just kind of, a, it was just sort of a fucked up scene. Um, but, you know, there's a scene early on where <laughs> Brandon's dad, man, I'm just laughing. <laughs> so fucked up. And I'll, I'll probably blow the joke uh, uh, um, or whatever. But Brandon's and his dad, his dad take him, his dad takes him hunting and they're like in the woods and they're sitting there and he's like teaching he's like talking to his son about like masturbation and he's like, you know, telling him about masturbation and <laughs> Brandon, like you don't get it at the time. But Brandon's like, what the fuck is he talking about? Cause it, it, it's not <laughs> right. It's not registered. <laughs> he's not collecting those pictures under his bed yeah. to masturbate to. He's, yeah. But, but, but he's like this fucked up sadistic kid. And, and, and it's this sort of awkward conversation. And anyways, where it deviates from the movie is it, it ends sort of where it does, where it's sort of like left in this weird space where he doesn't totally get what his dad's trying to tell him about masturbating and girls. And so, and, and then a, a deer comes up and he shoots the deer. <laughs> the deer falls over and it doesn't die. It's just bleeding and screaming and they come over to it and it's just like screaming and bleeding. And, and the dad's like so upset. He's like, Oh my God, you know, and he, he wants to make the animal stop suffering. And, and Brandon doesn't care. He's just watching it like plain face. And <laughs> dad like shoots the deer to death. So it dies finally. And he's like, Oh my God, thank God. And Brandon looks over at him and is like, oh, I'm ready to try masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> the but yeah, we, we, we decided that's, that's not the, that we couldn't afford it. We so what, what was it? Just getting the prosthetic deer, or it, it's a puppet it, or whatever. It just wouldn't be a prosthetic deer. I mean, to make that sequence happen, digital, it's like digital shots, yeah. and prosthetic shots. It's a. I mean, when when you're making a movie at that budget, it's like you know all those scenes we shoot. We probably shot that whole scene in like 30, 40 minutes, and then we had to move on. You know, we shot, we shot, we shot that movie in a very unique way, where like all, all the like story and dramatic moments in the movie we shot in like three days early on you know because 
because all those big elaborate horror sequences and action sequences took so much time you know to accomplish and we shot the whole movie in 20 something days so we shot three or four days of like oh here are the parents fighting and arguing here's brandon you know like like all the all the in the house you know inner relationship story we shot all that and then you know, and then all the horror and all the action stuff. Wow. That movie ends in, I mean, it's such a cool movie, great movie, man. I've never and shared it, that, by the way. I've never told that story. It's <laughs> a great story. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> but this movie ends, uh, Brightburn ends, and it's it's so good, and then you get to the credit scene, or is it post credit scene, and you're like, holy shit. Like, I'm like, okay, that's pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. And I mean, are, are we going to see a sequel? Is there ideas for a sequel? I mean, is there... You, you know... know everyone asks me about a sequel and 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 there, there's two things right the, the 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 there's there's two truths truth number one is that is that like if i was working on it like bright one of the fun things about brightburn was no one saw it coming no one knew we were very secretive about it. we were like cloverfield yep. secretive about it and then we just dropped it and we were like surprise motherfuckers here's a movie yep. and 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 that was a lot of fun people had no idea what the concept was you know and it was just, and and that that was so baked in the DNA of just showing up and surprising people that that if I was working on a Brightburn movie or something in a Brightburn universe, I I think I would try my hardest to make that happen again in some way, you know, to to just surprise people because I think that'd be fun. That being said, the the uh, there's also a reality of like you know, James is busy as fuck. <laughs> he's making all these big movies yeah, yeah. um and and the the you know it's like i i guess sony owns it i guess so sony has to want to make a movie mm-hmm. you know or or you know to me i i've been constantly surprised because we were the we were like in the top 10 or i think we were the most watched movie on netflix in the whole world like internationally uh for uh, a while, you know. So, yeah. so I, I've always been surprised that Netflix hasn't come to us and been like, "Hey, we yeah. want we, like like we want to make a bright, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, you yeah. know." Um, but but who knows? Maybe they will one day. Maybe they already have. Maybe they <laughs> won't. You know, who knows? Right. But but um, but those are the two realities that surround Brightburn. Is that the 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 practical reality of of you know. This is a property that Sony owns. I don't own it. Sony owns it, you yeah. know, and what they want to do with it. And then, and then Netflix, and by the way, if they want to bring me back and if they want, you know, right. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's the truth. Yeah. But I could say that, you know, well, I really can't say for sure, but I hope, you know, that e- whether or not another bright burn happens, I hope that James and I make some more fucked up shit <laughs> together. <laughs> And so do I. Yeah. So yeah. Now listen. Before I, I know we've kept you way longer than I, I'm, no, I apologize for this. Currently, <laughs> I apologize. For hey, has it been a while? Oh yeah, it's, well, it's been a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's okay. I, I just, I, it's because I've been rambling about no, you. Guys I love it. Okay. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Man. Okay. Okay. But Fair. um, I wanted to make sure we got this one in because I got to say, and this is probably fucking super geeky, and I don't know if anyone else loves it as much as I do, but the interior design of the witch's apartment. Is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you. I thank fucking you. love that so thank you. much. We fucking yeah, that makes sense. Now that <laughs> right, uh, right. Um, um, yeah, I mean, we like 
that that was really hard. I mean, first for a number of reasons. The first one being like, okay, I'm not Tim Burton. I had to say that a hundred times, right? Like, I'm not Tim Burton. I don't want to make Tim Burton movie. I don't want to look like Tim Burton. And it doesn't uh, at all. It, it doesn't does at all. Not at all. But think about it. He has defined horror fantasy. He's defined family horror. He's defined that aesthetic. For fucking everything. Like, yeah. and he's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. No, I can't think of anyone else who's like has some aesthetic, and it's just like, okay, now this genre looks like this. What the fuck is that? Like, right. who has ever done accomplished that? Right. That's amazing. It's <laughs> pretty amazing. But, uh, but as someone who's now working in that genre and a fan, I just I don't know. Like, I I want to make my own fantasy world that that is new and different than your fantasy world, and with still respecting your world and not meaning anything negative towards you, right? Because right. I don't. Um, but um, so so wiping that from people's minds was a lot of work. It was hard, and then and then. And then you start reading it and you go, this could be anything. So what the fuck is it? Like, like it, it was a really interesting script because it was like, it was so hard to imagine the environment, you know? And it, it like the rules of the environment, there's all these like little rules that don't get mentioned in the script that in order for the movie to feel real, for you to not be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like you had to, I had to come up with, um, a lot, an internal logic for it, you know? And so one of the things I did was I, I wrote like, um, a backstory for Griselda and I wrote like this long, this very long backstory for Griselda and why she has this apartment and, and what this apartment means and, 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 and how it works. And, and so I, I tried to build my own internal logic. And so, you know, part of it was, you know, I mean, this is, we are way about to be way in spoiler sure. town, but if, but that's okay. Cause I've, I've never talked about this with anyone yet. Really. If you know, ha the story Hansel and Gretel was like written about this real witch who's like kidnapping children and eating them and that lives in this forest, then, then, you know, she goes back to that era. And if you look back in that era and where, where it comes from, it's like, you know, um, barbarian times and G Germany is so to start looking up architecture from that time and textures from that time, color from that time. And, and we start pulling references from that. And so we, we drew a lot of like, like ancient barbarian influence in it, which That's is really, really weird. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it, it, it also led to a lot of the like library stuff, which like, like it was written, you know, one of the hard things is like pitching it, you know, cause you're like, Hey, we're going to, you know, I was, I stood in the center of the library and I'm looking around, I'm going to build this. And obviously we just built the first two floors. The rest of it was digital. Right. So, but to build those first two floors before any of the digital set extension and all that stuff, before we shoot for anything else, just building the construction of this space costs more than my first move. More than the entirety of my first. Wow! Movie. I mean, it look it looks like yeah. it looks like it. Yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and, and I'm like, wow, that's what what an incredible thing this is to be standing here uh, in this moment and to have that thought. Like, wow, that feels like a chapter or something, you know. And then and then, but 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 to get to that moment, you know, I have to say to people, I have to convince people to give me all this money to build this thing, and they're like, you know, like if. Without a director, everything would just be default. Like, like the, the most simplest thought of what everything would be is what it would be. So you're like, oh, spooky library, spooky library. You know what spooky, generic spooky library is? There'd be 10% Tim Burton influence because things would be crooked a little bit. <laughs> everything would be gray. Gray, yeah. gray, drabby, spider webs. You've seen yeah. it before, right? And so it was like, okay, but like, what, 
what you know what like let's look up bavarian architecture from that time period and these churches and see what those look like and 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 like you know from where griselda is from you know and 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 because she she made this with her magic so it's from her you know just like alex's stories are his magic this is her magic and so so it's it has to be an extension of her world where she's from and so and so Following that, and and then you know finding cuckoo clocks, you know because all the cuckoo clocks yeah, come from that era, right. and so all the like children's statues and stuff, and and then and then you know I, one one of uh, one of the things I really wanted to do, one of my fears with this movie was I, I saw a potential where you got to the end and you're like I didn't see this coming at all, like it, it like it comes out of no like like not enough clues to make the turn the discovery of Hansel and Gretel, like that, like to, to that, it didn't feel organic to the story. It, sure. didn't, it didn't feel, it felt, felt like a random thing that happens at the end, which, and one of, one of my attempts to make it not feel that way is to just bury candy, candy shapes and designs. Oh yeah. Yes. Fuck. The, now, yeah. yeah the, the little spirals yes. on the floor, yeah. the yeah. ball has a spiral on it too. Yeah. That's fucking right. I was going to ask you about those symbols. <laughs> yeah. It's all candy. It's just candy. It's just like, we were just like, how, like, Fuck, how wow. can we, how can we make her always present? Yeah. In, in, you know, how, how can we make it always there? And what's funny is it started with just like tiles. We were like, let's put tiles over the floor with like, you know, can't, you know, they look like the peppermint shape. Yeah. That's and right. we're like, oh, these are great. And then let's do this and let's add this. And then it started to be the answer to everything. Like, yeah. well, what would the texture of this be like? Well, let's look at candy. Let's look at German candy from right. that era. Let's look wow. at this. Let's look at that. And so, and so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you hear directors talk about like the answer to all the questions on set are within the story itself. And that's what they mean. You know, it's like you, like when you're in the mode and you, you're, you're in your like spot where you're, I think making good decisions, I guess I'm supposed to bad decisions. Like, or like the, 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 the first filmmaker I was, was someone to be like, this looks cool. I'm really into this. I just like something like this on Instagram. And now I want it in my movie. Yeah. You know? And, and, and as I've grown, I guess as a filmmaker, I, I, I just look more to, to the story to find the answer to all those questions and and i don't feel like at times i feel like it's purely my you know especially when it's but at times i feel like i'm i'm like reading tea leaves or like i'm an interpreter like i i'm a representative of this movie that exists with or without me if someone could walk in and shoot me they'll just hire another director and they'll keep going so i represent the movie and i want it to be the best movie it can be and so and so i'm so so i approach it like that you know like i'm 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 an interpreter of the story. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I, I don't know if, the, if there's anything behind this or not, but I noticed uh, when he first gets to the witch's apartment, which is, is it 4E? Is that what it is? Yeah. 4E Ackerman, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I have something in my eye. Oh, no problem. <laughs> he's, like, oh, he's like, yep, sure, okay. Like, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but there's a, there's something above, like when he walks down the hallway, it's like, um, is it planetary or something? There's like a couple... It looks like a plan, uh, like an astrological thing above the yes. doorway. Yeah, is that what that is? Yes. So it's 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 a couple things. It's so I'll, so throughout the house, the history of Griselda is is there is told in in murals. It's like her story. She's telling her story in the way that Alex tells his, and and it's sort of everywhere. And and that that mural of symbols. Um, Man, we went so deep into it, but there, there, there's, it, it, 
I, I forget exactly where it comes from, but it comes from somewhere back in in the day, back in in Bavarian, you know, you, you know, bar, Bavaria, uh, and and some symbology that sort of represents like the ticking clock of death waiting for you, or so you know, it's it's something about that. And then it's it's also um, on it's also um, a version of it uh, is also on the ceiling in the in the library. Yeah. And so the idea was to like to like connect the spaces um, to to make that make it all feel like one universe. Because for a while it was like here here's an apartment now here's a library and it's just like it's like but they 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 all have one created. There's one god in this universe and it's her. It's Griselda, right? Yeah. And her magic created this whole space. And so. I just wanted it to all be connected in that way. So, so there's a bit, there's a bit of that. It's, you know, it's the, the dais on the, in the night nursery on the floor, are these, um, alchemical symbology, you know, those alchemical symbols, um, um, that sort of are used in both of those things, you know, so it's all uh, along the doors. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. I know it's in there too. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, you know, trying to create a universe that's that's connected it's tough when you're doing a family movie because you don't like there's so many symbols that have um that have um controversial history and so so it's limiting you you know oh, I, interesting i, I, I like, didn't even think about that like they yeah, can't I, put like a pentagram or something a probably pentagram. yeah we right. use a pentagram yeah, you right. know so but 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 we couldn't use a pentagram but but you know i want i still wanted this symbols to feel evil yeah but i didn't want parents to be upset that they showed their parents pentagram and it just seemed like okay well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like die you know i'm not gonna blow up this whole movie and be i'm not gonna turn this into a thing over over that symbol it doesn't mean it you know i'm not it just i just want it to be witchy or 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 evil so it was like just just what else what else in history what 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 won't set people off what 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 can parents still be happy that they showed their kids like, you know, fi- finding that thing, you know, finding those things. And so, so a lot of those answers were, again, were just in, in history and historic times that people either just don't know or, or like, or don't have any like, you know, objection to right, knowing right. about, but they like, still have like some inherent creepy darkness about it when you see it too. You really do. Yeah. Well, it's completely fucked up historically, right? Like, like the, uh, the time of Hansel and Gret, you know, the time, the time that Griselda could have been alive, right. Was like, was like during a time like that was like the great um what's it called uh, uh not starvation what's the uh the pl- what? plague no, it's not the plague it was uh it was like um there's a term for when everyone's starving when there's no food uh whatever the point is during that time people would like eat their own children to stay a lot you know like oh, people yeah. would it, you know it's like it it, it was a uh, um it, it was a period of time where there was just no food and so like what do you think happens when you just yeah. And there's a million people living somewhere and then you take the food away. It becomes barbaric insanity. And, and I think everyone can just agree it's fucked up. So like no one has any, like it, there's no like political or religious, like, like mixed feelings and right. no one feels like it's converting or it's, it's not fucking with anything. It's just like, okay, yeah, it was a dark part, part of, part of our history, yeah. you know, it's where our fairy tales come from. Did you, speaking of fairy tales, is that you who did the, Art design in the nightbooks itself? No, it's not because I suck shit at drawing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we got we got. It's the second time I've had, it. It's, it's like a weird thing that's happened to me, and I swear to God, it is not by design. But every movie that I've made has a 
main character who draws. And all, and each one of them, this is so fucking weird. Each one of them, I spent a, a lot of time working with. All these artists trying to replicate what it looks like for a kid to draw. But what happens is, if you go to art school and you come out the other side, you can't unlearn sure like the yeah, technique yeah, exactly you right. know and i need someone to not have the technique and it's it's it, I, I want it to look like really a kid not like you know we pay a lot of money for like a design firm to come up with you know doodles i want it to look like what shit on my notebook or my friend's notebooks would look like and and then somewhere along the way of filming at some point i always find out that the kid who is drawing is an artist and draws really well and draws exactly the kind of stuff that would have been perfect. And this was true <laughs> in the hive with Adam. Gabe Basso is an incredible artist. You should see some of the art that he does now. And he's, he's like, we had this designer come up with all the stuff on the wall and he's drawing is trying to match that. And one day he's like, you know, I draw, right. And we see his stuff. and I'm like, Oh my God. Wow. why didn't you just... And then Jackson and Brightburn. Yeah. It had all these designers come in and draw these things and the book and put all this stuff together, all his plans that are all drawn and stuff. And Jackson's an artist. He could have drawn it. Uh, we found out late. late. <laughs> and Winslow. Also, you know, we have all these people designing these, cre- you know, yeah. these creatures and, and, and sketches and all this stuff. And it's not like, like there's a lot of it. So it's not like I'd have Winslow sit there day after day drawing in these books. But it is it, pretty funny. Three out of three movies. <laughs> A, a, a lead draws. Yeah. And so three out of funny. three movies. They draw. They drew. And I didn't use <laughs> it. And um, yeah. Now I have a weird amount of experience with making drawings look like children's drawings, but they aren't children's. Right. Drawings. How many books were there? You'd be jealous. I have a bunch of them in my house. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, um, they were, well, in the story, I think there's like four or five, you know, right. like, like in the movie, in the reality of the movie. But to create that, we had so many duplicates. Now, obviously, we're throwing them in the fire. So there's some, some that are full of drawings. There's yeah. some that are just the outside and then just a mountain of those. And then so many different attempts at like, oh, no, this doesn't work. You know, try it again. And, uh, you know, so, man, we went through so many of them to, to get it right. Because the design of the monster on the cover becomes the design of the monster and is third story you, you know in his well his second story and so and so it, it was not only a, it was not only just like let's design what the doodle looks like on his on his thing but like what the creature looks like in this big pivotal story that he's telling you know right right yeah. right dude i'm beginning to feel like we're natasha keeping alex <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the apartment for eight. no it's all good you know it's all it's dude i, I, I worked in a in a in a in my office by myself for a year working on this movie. And then we went, I went and shot it obviously where I was with people, but shielded, I was in a plexiglass box cut off from everyone. I couldn't spend more than 15 minutes near within six feet of anyone. Cause if they tested positive, yeah. I would have to go home. The movie gets shut down. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. so, so I had no social interaction with any, you know, I was intensely isolated. So yeah, to sit here and talk about the movie is great it's exciting that's awesome no and we appreciate it so fucking because literally that 
I did not ex- I did not expect this, man. I did not expect this and was really fucking blown away by it. Like, really it's, fucking blown it's away. It's fantastic. That is awesome to hear, man. I I, I was I, I was telling her um um just uh, before we walked in like like this movie was made in a in in isolation. So it's not like I could sit and watch it with people like yeah. I, you know, I sat and watched it with like three of my friends. You know, that's it. Yeah. So I've never seen the movie with an audience. I've never shown it to an you know, we tested it. We did a test screening, you know, or you know, you know, I don't know months ago like way before we were done with the movie like mid-edit uh just to see if the logic was tracking if the yeah. movie was working and it was all done over zoom so i just like was staring at That's so crazy zoom watching people watching a laptop of, of the <laughs> wow. movie right it's like just suck all the joy out of the filmmaking process why don't you and so and so and so like like i genuinely have no idea if like People will fucking hate the movie and just boo me in the streets forever. <laughs> or people will love the movie. I have no idea. Like, I have no concept of it. I'm totally lost on it. I love it. I made the movie for me, for Autumn, uh, for for kids who are weird, but uh, or being called weird, who are different and who, you know, could potentially be the next Stephen King or the next, like, you know, person who hates their life <laughs> you know and it's like i'm trying to steer them towards being following their passion i guess with a with a movie and and that's it i don't know i have no concept of it i have no concept of it. my four-year-old watched it oh she fucking loved it yeah, really she fucking loved oh it god i would love to watch the movie with like just right just kids. kids i yeah. want to see kids watch i've never seen a kid watch the movie i've never seen a kid watch the movie. I, I was I, interesting because i was thinking when you were talking about watching you know a few people see it on zoom if they screened it for kids yeah. just to see yeah there were kids on there were kids watching it on zoom but let me tell you something kids watching a <laughs> beanbag and pretending it's a cat you know, is a totally different experience than watching <laughs> the movie right. in a theater or just wherever with kids. Like, I just want to see kids screaming get and yelling and, yeah. and get scared and love Lenore. And, you know, like, I just I want to see it once, you know, but I don't think I will. You know, just is what it, it's like. That's what this movie is and it's what it always will be. And I'm just feel lucky that I, I got to make a movie. And it's in a yeah. fucking Sam Raimi. Right. By the way. I, I met Sam Raimi the the last day in person the last day of Sandman. Really? Wow. Yeah, we talk on Zoom all the time, but I was never because in before the vaccines. Yeah. We, yeah. No one was not, talking. We, no, yeah. no one was getting together in person. And then he went and shot Doctor Strange, so he's he wasn't with us. So so we would just zoom in, and then and then you know there was no reason to get to get you know we're yeah. just like hey let's. Let's see each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not yeah. going to be yeah. weird. Um, um, so I was never in a room with him. I was never in a room with my bosses at Netflix. I was never in a room with anyone, uh, you know, until this last day of sound mix. Wow. wow. Did he fucking lose his shit at the whole last, uh, you know, uh, once we he, visit the night nursery and it fucking just goes ape yeah. shit for the rest of it? Uh, yeah, was he I, like, I, I mean, fucking... he'd seen the movie like a, ma- a million times. Yeah. He'd been with me the entire way and we talked about it. He w- watched dailies every week and we'd talk on wow. Sundays. So he was and, really. Yeah, he was involved and he was a creative. Um, he, he was someone I could, you know, go to with creative thoughts. He was an ally, you know, creative ally. And, yeah. um, um, but but yeah, but coming in and presenting to him that the sound mix at the end was was awesome. It was surreal. Sitting, I kept looking over. I'm like, 
Sam <laughs> <laughs> and talking to me like I'm like that's so crazy what the hell dude. fucking happened <laughs> I got I got two two more things before we let you go sure that's fine gotta say Michael fucking Abel's man he's yes. incredible right he's fucking he's been yeah. in here too yes yeah he's fucking he's nicest great, right? guy yes. and guy. to hear him do God. what he did on this I haven't heard him do before and it was so fucking great like yes. that really whimsical larger than life yeah. you know it was so awesome to hear that now he, he is a perfect example because you know when you start working with a composer you every movie you'd like develop a new language because how do you how do you how do you describe music so, like someone plays you something and you're like what words do you use to say right to point this, someone in a direction yeah, right? yeah yeah and it starts to become its own language you're like oh it should be eggier and drippier here and it should be sw-, you know <laughs> does that even mean but, like you start to know what that means when you're working together yeah. but so so the beginning you're just kind of throwing stuff on the wall and saying things to each other and so he put together this like demo for me and he played it for me and i heard it we talked for a while for a long time and i was just like this guy's great i love him and then he played the thing for me and i was like it was it was a, it was great. I mean, it was beautifully scored. I mean, it sounded incredible. But I was like, it feels like a kid's movie. You know, it, it feels like there's Danny Elfman influence. It's got a bounce to it. it sounds a little holiday, you know. And and I was like, I was like, I want you to just. I said I'm making this movie like I made Brightburn. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not dumbing it down, and I'm not sweetening it for families and for kids like i'm just making a movie and i'm just i'm just, it's just nothing's just gonna piss any parents off that's yeah. it. that's the only difference and i want you to do that with the score i want you to, i want you to like like i want you to give me a score like get out or us you know and and uh i started temp scoring the movie with get out and us because oh, wow. i wanted him to see like i i'm not kidding like yeah like this isn't going to sound like dunk dunk. It's not going to sound like fun. Like he's sneaking. It's going to be like he's going to fucking die if he doesn't get out of yeah. it. And so he immediately got it. He's like, I know what you want. And then he went and did it. And like, sure, throughout the movie, there's certainly more whimsical. He brought magic and wonder to it. There's fantastical elements of the movie. It's not get out. It's not us. But he also brought the threat and the intensity of those movies at times into the score. And it's so good. But, but getting to. He- I said to him, I was like, look, Danny Elfman's done you know, the same kind of thing I said to you. Danny Elfman's done a million dark fantasy things. He did Edward Scissorhands. Like, he wrote the book on this. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a fan of yours. I can't wait to see, like, what you do. Like, just ignore Danny Elfman. Like, ignore that whole vibe. Just, I want to explore what you come up with as dark fantasy. Like, I want, I want to pull on that and I want to explore that. And that was... It was so fun to do that with him, and and it it doesn't sound it sounds like its own thing. Like yeah, what does it yes. sound like? It sounds it yeah. sounds like nothing I've ever heard yeah. before, and it looks like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah, yeah which and is, it's, uh, it's musical. It's very musical. Yeah, like yeah. like like it's like it's like you know when you think of Jurassic Park, there's a theme to hum. There's there's you know when you think of movies I grew up on Gremlin, there's like themes to hum, and a lot of movies today are are sounds and and tones, and it's not a critique because the movies often call for that, you know. But I wanted it to to feel like that like that to have a, a, a hint not to copy but to just have a hint of that amblin like musical magical bigger than li- like this just feel like a production like yeah a, yeah like a thing you know and and yeah this stuff was cool i'm i i really i really love what he did 
Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And I guess last question, and it's generic as fuck, but yes. it has to be asked. If it does as well as it's fucking going to, <laughs> do you have a, an inkling to crawl back into that world? Do you have ideas for a follow-up of your own? Would you, Or would you just want to honestly just leave this one alone and... I, you know, I have no concept if it's going to do well. Like, I don't know. Something's come out on Netflix. I never heard of them. They exist. I feel so bad for the people who made them because they're just, they, you know, like they just exist. And someone put their blood, sweat and tears in it. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know, you know, there's so so much stuff. Um, so I have I have no understanding of if it's going to be huge or or not. Or and I don't even know how to quantify that on Netflix. You know, like if I if I. If I made this, I didn't, but if I made this generation's Goonies for Netflix, how would we know? Right, right. Yeah, good (laughs) point. You know, we don't pull inside people's minds. You know, we we could hear about view counts. Downloads and streams. Downloads and streams, but there's a whole lot of movies that have tons of streams that I'm like, that ain't this generation's Goonies. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, so, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to calculate success in this scenario. I guess the, that's true of always making movies like the success comes from you. Like the only I have no control of the success or the failure of the movie or the reviews. I don't. Um, uh, all I can control is like I, I, I had a mission that I made this movie for and and I, I feel like I accomplished that mission, you know, um, and and that's one piece of the answer to your question. And the second thing, which I think is really what you're asking me is, yes, I would absolutely come back and and like it's a, it's a fun universe that i would love to explore and play with and and um there's so much more story to pull on and to pull out and 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 uh um if i'm fortunate enough to if we're fortunate enough to be a success and uh and if they want me back because that's the other question you know it's like i don't own it again i don't own it yeah yeah they they, you know (laughs) they gotta say we want dave um um but if they do um sure you know I have no idea what I'm going to do next. I'm writing something right now, um, but I, I feel uh, unemployed. The future is open. You know, it's like it's who knows, you know, until I'm on a set shooting. I don't know what I'm going to shoot next because yeah. things change. You yeah. make a plan and then money falls through this, 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 you know, so who knows? <laughs> Dude, thank you so much, man, for doing this. So yes. good to see you again. Dude, it's yes. been great. Congrats yeah. on this fucking movie, man. Yes. Thanks, thanks. I'm glad you guys liked it. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 257. Special thanks to our guest, David Yarabeski. Follow him at David Yarabeski on Instagram. At time of release, his new film, Nightbooks, is available on Netflix now. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting. Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews.
is SCP Archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.